yeah, yeah. And yo, black, it's time. Word, word, it's time, man. It's time, man. Alright, begin. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast for FireandIceSoccer.com. This is Ryan Boyles, and joining me as always is Jeff Engelhart. Jeff, how you doing this fine Sunday night? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's been raining nonstop, so I'm not sure if, you know, the next great flood is coming or what. But uh, outside of that, things are doing pretty well. How about you? It's doing all right. And funny enough, you should mention all the flooding. It would be fitting that by the time the fire do start to turn to an entertaining team that the apocalypse or at least the next great flood would come about. We've had a bunch of signs of the apocalypse. I mean, the Cubs won the World Series. We don't get political, but, you know, Donald Trump won the presidency. That was not expected either. Hey, hey, sports, sports. So, uh, yeah, you know, maybe the fire being, like you said, at the very least an entertaining team to watch, you know, just one more sign of our uh, impending doom that's coming to us all. I keep my eye out the window every day. I'm waiting to see the gray arc coming over the horizon, maybe seeing whether it's going to pick me up or not. Yeah, it's really only been two days, but it feels longer. So hopefully the rain stops, you know, sometime in the next three days or so. I know our listeners love listening to us talk about the weather, but I'm sure they probably want to hear us talk a little bit more about the Chicago Fire. And I'm sure our listeners know this, but the Fire played on Saturday night against New York Red Bulls. And unfortunately, the Fire walk out of New Jersey with a – 2-1 loss, their second straight loss. And, Jeff, I know you were watching live, as was I. That was a, that was a frustrating match. I, I think frustrating is a word that I use repeatedly in my recap. Yeah, that there was a lot to dissect in, in this one. It, it was uh, just a game that I, I haven't really uh, recalled a game like that from the fighter in the last couple of years where – could argue they were the better team, at least for very long stretches, and they come up completely empty-handed. Um, it, frustrating is right, though. That's the word. It was, it was not fun to walk away from New York with zero points because I really thought that they were going to get at least a result, um, you know, a draw in Toronto or New York. So um, already the the road trip is pretty much – not a success no matter what happens in L.A. I don't think you could chalk it up as a huge success. You could salvage it to a point with a victory in L.A. But, um, yeah, not great. Not great, Jeff. Yeah, you already mentioned it. And for those who didn't watch the match, the reason we're using the word frustrating so much is the fire really looked like the better side for good portions of the game. They finished the match um, with more shots, more shots on target, more corners, more time of possession. So all the stats, you know, the higher passing accuracy, more total passes, really all the stats are in their favor. But yet here they are. They're walking away from this game with uh, zero points. And really it starts from the very beginning. It just seemed like the fire had their chances and they just were not able to capitalize. Yeah, there's almost too many chances to even recall all of them, to be quite honest. I'm sitting here Sunday night, and it's only been, you know, one night removed. And I'm like, man, just all, all of the chances they had, and, and they missed them all. Um, well, I mean, Nemanja Nikolic, he got, he got his. But 
they just missed some absolute sitters, you know, whether it was obviously Luis Solignac, who didn't get the shot off and then didn't get a pass off in time. Uh, Nemanja Nikolic, who completely missed David Akam on the far post and he didn't get his head up in time. Uh, Dax McCarty had a header that, you know, he just couldn't get enough on really late in the game. There were just chances all over the place, but um, really frustrating to watch none of those go. Let's dive a little bit into the game here, Jeff. Uh, first, I feel like the first 20, 30 minutes or so, it seemed like both teams were kind of feeling each other out, though I definitely think the fire had the better uh, the possession at that point. But unfortunately for them, it ended up being the Red Bulls who struck first. In a classic that's so fire, it was because Juninho ended up stepping in front of a pass, and it just somehow the ball found itself landing right to Daniel Royer, who ended up finding a Bradley Wright Phillips in the box. And Bradley Ray Phillips did what he does, and he put it past Bob to put the Red Bulls up in the 38th minute. Yeah, it was uh, the thing I took away most from that first goal, and really the whole entire first half from the fire. Um, I was really happy with, even even though they did concede that one goal. And to me, it wasn't a big deal. It reminded me a lot of the goal that RSL scored on Chicago earlier, or the goal that Chicago scored on RSL earlier in the year where Sonny kind of got his foot on the ball, tapped it right into the ladies' path. Um, and uh, obviously that led to a fire goal, but it would have been offside had he not touched it. And Juninho just sort of got caught with a bad deflection. You know, he made the right play, and it was it was unfortunate. So I didn't sweat that first goal too much. I I was really happy with just the way they played pretty much for the whole 45 minutes. Few things stood out to me uh, right off the bat. Uh, I think he he deserves special shout out for the cross he was able to put in. Was um, Brandon Vincent, you know, Chicago's first chance of the game. He got in a cross where Wright Phillips and I can't remember the other guy, but he had two Red Bulls players about as tight on him as could possibly be, and he still put dropped that ball on a dime for uh, Nikolic, who just wasn't able to to finish the chance. But right away, the fire were showing really positive signs moving forward. And I thought they played a, a really good 45 minutes. I, I didn't have any really complaints with anybody at that point in the game. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. But Brandon Vince, I thought, had another pretty good game on his part. I feel quietly the last few weeks, he's been putting together um, quite a few good efforts for the SOT. And it's good that he's just trying to improve more and more here in his second season. Yeah, I mean, that, like I said, was a great cross, and he had um, just a, a lot of, you know, his passing is just getting better um, each and every game, it seems like, so so that's been positive, and, um, you know, we, uh, David Akam was great the whole game. Um, he was setting up everybody with passes, it seemed like, and a lot of his passes were the ones that should have been converted that weren't, you know, we talked about um, a little bit how Nemanja Nikolic didn't get his head up in time, whether or not you want to say Schweinsteiger should have scored that long volley, I don't know, but he missed one. And uh, I think that the guy who was most kind of confusing, frustrating, I guess would be the word during this game, was Louis Solignac, who just, you know, did all the things right to make these awesome chances and then did everything possibly wrong in the final moment. Yeah, he kept finding himself in the right place at the right time. Yeah, he wasn't able to do the right thing and put the ball in net. And I know you've been really high on Solonac this year, and 
I think for good reason, but this is definitely one easily the worst match he's had so far this season for the fire. And it really could have come at a worse time for him to have this kind of stinker of a match. Yeah, it was a bummer, but like you said, they have a lot of options um, on that side. So I'm not too worried about it. And I think Solonak will still be a decent option, um, but he may be breather the next game and, and they should feature delay a little more and Alvarez and see how they do. Um, I think there's still minutes to be had for Solonak, and I think he does a lot of things well. Uh, but he just – he did not have it on Saturday. Um, he did not have it when it mattered most. Again, I, I think he did a lot of good things to make some of that stuff happen. But um, it was just frustrating to see them all fall by the wayside. And we'll get back to Solonak here in a little bit because we're going to look ahead a bit to the second half of the Saturday's match. And, again, second half kind of started like the first half. There was a lot of good possession by the fire, um, a lot of good opportunities. And finally there in the – and there finally in the 59th minute, it was who else? Dax McCarty, his first game at Red Bull Arena since being traded this offseason. Um, put in the work, um, made some really nice moves there in the advanced midfield to shed some defenders, got his face to goal. And he was able to find a nice open Nikolic who was streaking into the box. And Nico was able to put it past Robles. And sure enough, the Fire were finally able to capitalize on one of these good deals. And it was 1-1 there in the final, was the final third of the game left. And at that point, it looked like it was just a matter of if not, you know, it looked like a matter of when, not if, the Fire were going to get at least one more ball and goal. Oh, yeah. Um, it was great to see that goal. It was a great goal. And again, um, I just want to point out David Akam was right in the middle of that, breaking up the play that led to the, um, you know, fire regain possession with Dax McCarty making that tremendous move and the assist, like you said. But Akam, another instrumental part in that goal. But right, the most impressive thing, I think you said it, was right after that goal, the fire stayed on the front foot. And they looked like the home team. I mean, they were the ones pushing for the second goal. And I thought they were going to get it. Again, it was so promising to see this. It, you hate the loss because it comes off of another road loss to, to, to Toronto. And they just played really poorly in that one. But this game in a different circumstance, I think everyone's pretty happy with the performance. But they really couldn't afford to have this kind of performance when you're talking about the road trip they're on right now. We've talked a couple of times about how the fire kept their foot on the gas pedal, pushed for that go-ahead goal, and we hate to bring them back up, but um, they're in the 65th minute. The fire had their chance when um, your boy David Akam had a nifty little short cross, was able to find Solonak right in front of goal, just basically him and Robles face-to-face with one another, and Solonak just couldn't get his foot around the ball and just hit it wide of net. Right, and you've seen Solignac freeze like that before. <laughs> uh, I think that was in the opener, right, where he kind of just – his foot froze and just mm-hmm. got the shot off. Um, it was slightly reminiscent of that. And, yeah, it was another really frustrating non-finish. And there was a couple times where just fire players had a hard time getting their head up and not making the right move, you know, where Nikolic should have found a calm on the back post on one play. He, he needed to get his head up and make that pass. There's no reason not to. Stolignac the same way when he could have made a pass. He didn't get a setup. Or he could have shot earlier and he didn't get a setup. Um, that's a problem. You can't, 
you just can't waste those chances. And to make mistakes like that, I mean, those are self, those are self-inflicted wounds. You know, these guys shouldn't be doing that. Um, if it was great defensive play by the Red Bulls, that'd be one thing, but it really wasn't. It was just guys who should be at a higher level, not playing to that level. Yep. And Bayer ended up paying for all their missed opportunities there in the 71st minute when, and stop me if you've heard this one before, the New York Red Bulls were attacking Chicago Fire's right side. And they're, I can't remember who was able to do the pass, but they found Kamara Lawrence wide open there on the Fire's right side. Um, Michael Harrington was, for whatever reason, in a center back position. And Lawrence was able to just drive into the box and he put a shot on the far back corner. And uh, Baba, for whatever reason, just never re- reacted to the ball that well. And by the time he finally dove for it, the ball was already four feet behind him. And right, just like that, the Red Bull were up 2-1 and they never let go of that lead. And after everything that we had seen up the first 70 minutes, that was just a real disappointing um, moment in the game to give up a goal like that. Yeah, I mean, that goal encapsulated the reason the fire are going to be right around that six or seven seat as long as things stay the way they are because Michael Harrington and Jorge Baba are real issues that can cost you real points, um, and that's what happened. So it was really poor positioning by Michael Harrington. I have no idea what he was doing. And Jorge Baba, that's a, I think that's a savable goal. I mean, I'm no expert at goalkeeping, but when I look at it, I thought the effort could have been better. Um, it, you know, his reaction time, his positioning, it just was, there was an issue. So I don't know. I'm done trying to guess when a, a move might be made for those two guys. But if you're looking for a reason to, or exhibit A, as to why Panovic should make a move, uh, that second goal on Saturday was exhibit A. Yeah, and I ended up retweeting something from Ivis Gorsep. Um, just talking about Baba. Looks like a guy who won a raffle at halftime to play in goal. He just doesn't look like he's starting caliber in the MLS at this point right now with some of his performances so far. He's not the first time we've seen him look tentative in the box, see him a bit slow to react. And I, I'll admit, I, I don't want to take it away from Baba ha- did have a couple of nice saves in Saturday night's match. But when you look at the entire season as a whole, I have to say – I think it's, you can say that it's been more disappointing for Baba than anything else. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree. And well, first of all, I saw that tweet too. And anytime when I saw the, uh, looks like a guy who won a raffle, I think of that backup goaltender in the FA cup this year, he was on some, you know, real low level team. Uh, obviously Jorge Baba is not that guy, but it just, that's, the connection I made there, the, the unfortunate portly fellow who was kicked off his team for bullcrap reasons. But back to Baba, I agree with you. Um, he he has the athleticism and the size to make some, you know, uh, flashy looking saves, but consistently he's just not in right positions in every single game. He like he made another insane run out of his box, like almost to midfield. It looked like, you know, and he had to go slide for. Luckily, he got there. But, I mean, I'm not sure that's such a great decision. So he's definitely prone to doing those kinds of things. His positioning is usually questionable at best. He has spillage. I mean, he had one on Saturday where he spilled one that 
probably could have been finished, and luckily it wasn't, but that's an issue. Uh, there's really nothing he does well. <laughs> um, I, I hate to be harsh, but he is what I've said. He is a – he doesn't look the part. He just doesn't look the part. No. No, not at all. And we never really even touched on some of his um, you know, distribution, some of the spyiness that we've seen from him doing, trying to get the ball out to the other teammates. So, And then uh, do we even need to talk more about – Michael Harrington and kind of what we've seen so far. No, no, I honestly think it gets a little, uh, a little. I feel that horse. I feel that horse has not even been, but is decomposing at this point, and we're still beating it. It's starting to get unfair, honestly, to to him, and just a little, a little bit much for me to to keep doing. So, look, it's not like Harrington is the one demanding he starts. It's it's starting to just look bad on Belchko Panovic at this point, and. I'm more mad at him now than I am at Harrington. Like you said, we, we said all we can about him. Um, there's no reason to pile on anymore. He's not good enough to start. He's not good enough to get many minutes. Uh, we know this. It's up to Panovic to know it. And it's, it's getting to the point where I, I don't know what needs to happen. Matt Polster is healthy. It's time to get him out there. I cannot agree more with everything you just said. I don't. I think Michael Harrington. He seems like a nice guy from everything you hear, but I mean, he he shouldn't be out there, and that should be on the that should be the coach's responsibility to put right, right. like I, out there. Yeah, I, I don't think Harrington's deliberately trying to sabotage this team. So, you know, sure, we've all made the point that he's not a good soccer player. That's at a certain point, it becomes not Harrington's fault. He can't pull himself. You know, he's a competitor. He's going to want to play, and it's up to Panovic to say no it's time for someone else to play. Mm-hmm. So as long as Herring or Panovic keeps putting him out there, you know, I'm sure Harrington is trying his best or, or playing how he knows how to play. And um, yes, of course it's not good enough, but you can only say that so many times. So um, let's just hope that team makes a change. Cause I, I don't know what else needs to happen before they do. Right. You mentioned it already. Um, I don't see what the harm would be in just throwing Polster out there at some point. He's just a good soccer – he's a better overall soccer player. You, you could put Polster up at, you know, right wing or wherever you want to put him. Like, the guy still knows how to play soccer better than Michael Harrington. Mm-hmm. No matter where you put those guys on the field, Polster's probably better than him. So just do it. And now, I'm not sure if there's anything else we need to really touch on here for this Red Bulls match. Anything we're missing out on? Well, from the match itself, I think, you know, we talked about the disappointing – you know, missed chances and the frustration. Um, just some things that stood out to for me. Um, I think David Akam was fantastic. He, he looked tremendous. Uh, hopefully he can play like that the rest of the way. Uh, Joe Almira kind of had a weird game. Like, he seemed to gas out really hard to me, uh, which was kind of strange to see, and started making real sloppy and just strange plays as the game went on. But it looked like because he was dealing with cramps or just fatigue so that was kind of weird and then Bastian Schweinsteiger who I think played you know fairly well but also looked like he and maybe some of it was that nasty headbutt he took pretty early on but he seemed to be maybe a step slower uh, or just not quite up to his normal performance so that was maybe the first time I saw Schweinsteiger look not Super amazing. So no big deal. I'm not worried about it. Just an observation. 
Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like kind of hidden all that match was Schweinsteiger definitely looked up, showed some tired legs, I thought. He wasn't nearly as active as we've seen him in the past, especially on the offensive side. So Yeah, and I, I do think some of that is getting used to the travel. Um, it's longer travel than he's used to. It's still getting into full match fitness, which he's doing, and it's taken that nasty head bump he did. I mean, all those things probably add up a little bit to slowing down the way he did. So, like I said, not too worried about it. Um, so, from a match perspective, that's what I'd have to say. But <clears throat> there is one league-wide uh, thing that happened this weekend that is very worth noting. And, again, I think highlights the problem with Chicago getting no result in Toronto and no result in New York. Uh, we saw Philadelphia go to L.A. and get a draw. We saw D.C. United go to Atlanta and win. And then we saw New England go to Seattle and get a draw. So three teams, New England, D.C., and Philadelphia, three of them picked up points on the road. And Chicago just really doesn't look like a team that's capable of doing that. I mentioned that in my preview piece on Friday. I know it's still early in the season, but we now see in the fire um, four road matches, three losses, one draw. And I don't know, is, can we take anything out of this? I mean, the, the Fire have played good teams on the road. There's no doubt about that. Columbus, Atlanta, Toronto, and um, Red Bulls. But it's still kind of disappointing that after four matches, you only have one point to show for it. So should we yeah. give a few more games before we can really come to any conclusions here? Or do you think I don't think, totally I don't think you give it a few more games. I think you could be starting to get legitimate questions after – Saturday because they did play so well and they still couldn't get a point. So that's concerning. But I think, and like I said, because they played so well, I'm willing to kind of reserve full judgment until Saturday. Um, when they go to play the LA galaxy to me, there you go. We just saw Philadelphia go there and pull out a draw. Okay. So Philadelphia is good enough to get a draw in LA you need to be able to go out there and get a draw in LA because Philadelphia is your direct competitor for a playoff spot. You need to go do the same thing at the very least. They should go out there and win. If they play like Saturday, it's possible. They need to finish. But if they can't even get a result out of LA, they deserve any criticism anyone throws at them because we just saw Philadelphia do it. And I don't think Philadelphia is as good of a team. Let's talk a little about L.A. Um, that's where the fire play next week. And this is an L.A. side that's really been reeling this season. They only have seven points in eight games. Um, and their last two home matches, you've mentioned it a couple times there, they drew against Philadelphia 0-0 on Saturday. And the week before that, they lost at home 3 nothing to Seattle. And so this is, um, this is a vulnerable Galaxy side. And I mentioned it way back when we recorded the podcast when this road trip first started. But I had this marked as win for the fire. I feel like this is the most winnable game on the road. And so far, I haven't seen anything that makes me want to shape that mind on it. This looks like the fire's best chance to turn things around. I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, you look at the lineup they throw out there and you can't get caught up in the LA Galaxy name and the reputation. This isn't the same team. They even if they were playing up to their potential, it's still not that LA Galaxy reputation you would think. Again, I just go back to Philadelphia can do it. You have to be able to do it too. Um, I, there's holes all over kind of that roster, right? 
didn't know, uh, Alessandrini, I think that's how you say it. He's been really good. Um, but Dos Santos has never, ever, like, really clicked in L.A. I know they didn't play Zardis. I don't know if that was an illness or an injury. Um, so he was out. Jermaine Jones is old. <clears throat> Ashley Cole is old. Um, they just have, you know, Boateng uh, can be can be good, but he's no world beater. Again, you look at the matchups almost anywhere in the field, there's nowhere where you say the fire are outmanned. They, they can match this team on paper and on the field, I think. And so Chicago needs to play like a desperate team because they need to know they should have gotten something out of these first two. They didn't. So now they shouldn't even be playing for a draw. They should be playing for a win on Saturday. Oh, for sure. I think anyone on fire, fan or player, I think you have to be disappointed if you don't leave LA and fly back with three points in hand. And you mentioned it. Um, Philadelphia left with a draw. LA actually pretty much outplayed in most of that game. But this is a Galaxy side who actually has a negative three goal differential at home. And Dave Shigazard is back. He was out this week with illness. You don't think it would be a two week long illness. But even with him back, you mentioned Giovanni Dos Santos hasn't really put everything together with his side. And it's just – it's not the same players that you saw in the past. They don't have those big draws carrying those teams to the title under Bruce Arena. So, yeah, I, I think going into this match, the fire had to be looking at this for a win. And anything less than three points is going to be a massive disappointment. Yeah, and while we were talking, I, I did want to look up actually their, just their goal scoring stats as a team, and it, it is what I thought it was. They are second from the bottom in the entire MLS with only eight goals on the year. You know, they have eight goals in eight matches. That's very not like the LA Galaxy, but it shows you just how bad they've been this season. So there's really no excuses. Um, come Saturday. The team should treat it like a must-win to, to get back on track a little bit because it's not panic time yet, but you drop points when you should have picked it up, so now you got to take all three. Um, and, you know, they I think they hold themselves to that standard, and I think fans should hold them to that standard. Uh, I'm considering this, you know, an early season must-win. Like you mentioned, nothing's must-win now, but <clears throat> this – this is a, it was like the game after Montreal. Um, you know, they, they had that disappointing result with Montreal on their three game homestand. And so the next one was sort of that must win. And I, I'm putting that tag on this season must win. Definitely. So to recap, this ain't your daddy's LA Galaxy team. And this is a must win. Did I get that right? Well, early season must win. It's a different category than a must win. What's your Mount Rushmore must wins? Early season must win. Playoff must win. Oh yeah. Well, game seven, like game seven, must win is you know, it's literally a must win. You know, so that's in sports terminology. That's that's the king of all must wins. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll be watching that match, and I'm sure we'll be bantering about it afterward. Um, Jeff, other than that, is there anything else in the fire world that we need to touch on? Oh, I mean, now that we uh, called him a must-win, though, throw out your prediction real quick. What, what do you see happening? Um, I'll stand by my prediction from a few weeks back. I think the Fire uh, walk away with a 2 nothing victory. Yeah, I was going to say 2 nothing. I'm going to say 3-1 now, though. I think the Galaxy are not going to get shut out at home two weeks in a row. They, they'll have at least enough to get a goal. 
and, uh, you know, Jorge Baba. So I think they get one, but I think Chicago gets three because I think they're pissed. They missed as many goals as they did on Saturday, and they come out on fire, and, and they put up three goals. As anyone who has seen my pick so far this season, you should not be listening to anything I do to predict matches. So just, just a little disclaimer on that. All right, Jeff. Well, I think it's about time for us to close up shop. To our listeners, be sure to rain review us. Um, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast at. Um, read our stuff at fireoniceoccer.com or follow us on Twitter at fireoniceoccer. Um, join me as always with Jeff Engelhart. This is Ryan Boyle signing off and go fire.